this what I feel like? Huh. Yeah. Laughing to the bank like ah ha. Huh. Yeah. Flex on swole like ah ha. Huh. Yeah. You feel some type of way then Welcome, 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 welcome. This is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans, Simply Being Humans. I'm Rodney Perry, your host with the most. And you've just tuned into Simply King Podcast. And today is a special one. This is a special delivery. I was thinking about dropping a whole different episode today with a guest. But because of the kind of series of events and just Anytime I start, anytime I see myself starting to talk about something a lot, I'm like, you know what, Roddy, you got to just stop. Stop tweeting. Stop, you know, talking to everybody else about it and make sure you bring this to the people. Make sure you focus your thoughts, create a damn point, some premise, some thesis and bring it to the people. You feel me? So <clears throat> I feel like I sound a little hoarse or something. But anywho, we're here. We're feeling good. Shout out, shout out, shout out to everyone who's been listening, following all new subscribers, all old subscribers, folks who've been holding it down since the beginning. Um, Shout out to Ola, who featured on last week's episode. Great episode. Um, Definitely a cool game that I think I'm going to continue to play in a a creative way. I'm going to keep playing games with my guests. I think they enjoy it. Um, And it's a cool way to just, you know, top the, just really top the episode off. But, I think these, uh, you know, I don't know how y'all feeling about all these, you know, segments. These segments have been going strong. I'm liking it. It's really, it makes it a lot easier to structure episodes and put them out even faster and even more, you know, with even more uh, precise, you know, concise, you know, content. Because I feel like I can be long-winded. I know this. I understand that. But I got to figure out a way to put it in, you know, in terms and level it down and bring it down to earth sometimes. So, Doing format, changing the format and creating this format has done well for me. And I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. But if you don't know, you now you know. You can listen to the Simply King podcast everywhere podcasts are available from Google Play to Spotify to Apple Podcasts to Radio Public to Stitcher everywhere except for SoundCloud, which I'm still debating if I will ever go back. I'm really still debating that. I got to give them a little bit more time to see if they're even going to be here next year. And if they are, then I may go back on there. I might put a little bread down, pay a little hundred dollars and then just start uploading that shit back on there, uploading the back catalog, doing all that jazz. But I digress. Let's get into the episode. Yes. Okay, so again, again, I say um, thank you again to Ola. It was a great episode. We talked about so many different things when it comes to his project, his current project, Pressure Out Now, Go Listen. But also we touched on just so many different influences that he's had over time, being Benny Roosevelt, being, you know, his mother and his his story and, and how he went from literally being a teenager living in Jersey and coming on down to Atlanta to really, you know, 
invest in himself, bet on himself. And it was a beautiful story, and I think you guys really enjoy it, so make sure you go check that out. Um, but this week is a special one, and we're talking about a lot of things. I know you can tell by the the cover art and the name that what the hell are we talking about? So let's jump right into, oh, I'm drinking. I am drinking on air, y'all, but I'm not going too hard. It's actually a, a, a chai tea, like a vanilla chai latte situation, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of like a pre-mix or something like that. I put a little bit of Jack Honey in it, you know what I'm saying? This is not an endorsement at all. Um, I wish. Um, <laughs> but it's so good, y'all. I, I Look, fall drinks are the best. Like, summer drinks are fire. They're refreshing. They're, cr you know, crisp and light and all that. But I'm telling you, get into y'all fall drinks. You can hit me up. DM me, Kings underscore Memoirs, and I'll let you know what you need to pull up with at the party, at the Friendsgivings, at whatever it is. I got you. Understand that. I got you. Oof. It's so good, y'all. It's so good. I had a smack so y'all can just understand how good it just it just it just falls off your your tongue. Just mm, I just want some more. Anywho, let's first start with the Twitter check-in. Hey. Today's Twitter check-in, I'm, I'm, I guess it was too juicy, I'm the damn drink. I'm already feeling it. So today's Twitter check-in is about something that I am now obsessed, obsessed over, y'all. I'm talking about the Watchmen show on HBO. And why does this matter? Lily, as this show dropped last Sunday... It literally spiraled into this like Twitter frenzy of people trying to figure out, whoa, is this real? Is this real life? Did this really happen? Spoiler alert. And it should not be a spoiler because you should be watching it because it's such a good fucking show. But The Watchmen, if you don't know, is a is based off a graphic novel. And, you know, you can do your Googles and it's uh, seen. It's definitely heralded as kind of being one of almost one of the best graphic novels with the subject matter being about um, heroes, superheroes and vigilantes and things like that. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the, I believe it was like 2009, 2008, was it 2000? Yeah, I think it was, um, it was in the late 2000s where they did a film, Zack Snyder uh, actually um, did an adaptation of the uh, actual comic. And um, it was kind of, you know, it's kind of a cult classic in a way. I, don't, I think a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people did like it. A lot of felt like felt like it could have been better in certain areas. This right here is considered to be a remix. The producers and creators of this show feel like it should be a re. You know, they call it a remix because it's not. They're really not adapting anything. They, if anything, they wrote a script where they put the world of you know the Watchmen into the real world. So, with that being said, the part that went crazy on Twitter last Monday was the fact that Black Wall Street was trending. Hashtag Black Wall Street. In the beginning of this episode, it starts off with this kind of silent film playing and it's mother and son in this theater. She's playing a piano. You frantically start to hear this um, explosion and just 
chaos happening outside of this movie theater or this whatever whatever theater and you realize that damn they are in Tulsa in 1921 the day of the Tulsa massacre which is a real thing mind you a lot of people don't know about this but Tulsa green the green um the Greenwood district was specifically a black somewhat of a black utopia of sorts in terms of it was post you know it was in reconstruction area a lot of people don't know in reconstruction and so many different after slavery, so many different these black towns start to establish, you know, a very strong sense of I wouldn't say sovereignty, but independence to where they were building things. They were creating things and they were establishing themselves, literally just getting that slice of the pie, regardless of them not getting that 40 eggs in a mule, all of that. They came together, pulled in resources, got some land and created their communities. And as they got more and more you know skills got more money they kept reinvesting and kept reinvesting literally the dollar would not leave this place like it would take weeks for the dollar to leave i'm talking about weeks for the dollar to leave this area because they had everything they needed from literal hospitals hotels everything several schools all different types of business and these all were black owned and um, they were even like doing international business with people. Do your Googles, people. Look into this. And definitely, if you ever go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, definitely go and visit because I definitely want to. But you don't really ever have too many reasons to go to Oklahoma. And that's the messed up part about it. But Black Wall Street, they were speaking specifically about Tulsa, Oklahoma, because it was certainly one of the, you know, probably one of the largest, literally the first time an airstrike has happened somewhere in a residential area, city, town within the United States, predating 9-11, all of that, where they literally were killing people. Hundreds of people were attacked and the whole town was burned down to the ground. And this was all because of them assuming, them believing that some white woman was raped um, from a white town not too far away. So they put this so it's a it's bouncing around from fiction and nonfiction, and I have to shout it out because I think it's vital. I think that's a message I want to make sure you guys I push out to you guys. And also, it was just dope. It was just cool. It was just fly that the that they started a whole episode within this, where that's the beginning of it all. And in all honesty, it it was just to set the perfect tone for a show set in Tulsa. The show is still set in Tulsa, but they just literally made that connection and you can tell it's going to be a through line throughout you can tell it's going to be a through line throughout the whole show where they're going to keep talking about and referencing they set the tone with this and they're going to keep referencing back to this massacre back to the descendants of this massacre so it's going to be a hell of a fucking show it's going to be black it's going to be great it's going to be good we're talking about they're talking about race they're talking about police and you know, community relations. They're talking about big government and, you know, conspiracy, talking about, you know, white supremacy. It's going to be hell of a show. Hell of a show. This is the type of stuff HBO should be doing. They, they're only good moves right here. That's a great move that they made. But look into Black Wall Street. That is my task to you today. Go read up on it. And also read up on other ones. Rosewood. You have Idlewild, you have so many different things. Idlewild was actually in Michigan, not in not in Georgia. It's so many different things that we need to learn, that we need to learn, that we need to learn about 
how these group group economics created these, well, like I said, black utopias or these black towns. You know what I'm saying? Because the thing about it is that Atlanta isn't a freak situation. We can turn whatever city that already has the infrastructure that already is is under the under the scope of that's just where black people are because that's what we can flip. If there is a heavy population of black people in all these different in a specific area or place in your t- in your city or neighboring um, rural area, whatever it is, you got they can all pull in their resources. Some people own some things. Some people got some money. People need to figure out, create funds, create create group economic funds. So, so that way you can create the things that you need within your community. I believe that, you know, some of these impoverished neighborhoods should think about creating some type of HOA. And it can start small. Come up with a home. You already have neighborhood watches within those neighborhood watches. Why not create HOAs where homeowners associations or just neighborhood associations where people are paying dues? Each house has to pay dues just to live into their neighborhood. And those dues go into community policing, community security. Um, it could be, you know, keeping um, certain public areas and parks and things like that, you know, nice in the area or just providing any type of opportunities or creating some type of organizational space, you know, community center or whatever it may be that could help. And it could start out small. That's just a suggestion. That's from Kane. That's a suggestion. I think that's something that everyone should do because a lot of these communities are already doing this. That's a lot of these communities of affluence are already charging people just to live here. You got to you got to tack on another two hundred, four hundred dollars onto your mortgage because you live in this neighborhood. We're going to get these extra amenities. You ain't just about to use the community pool just all willy nilly. You're not about to just have your grass cut by, you know, whoever and whomever. We're going to cut it for you because we need everything to be up to code, up to standard, whatever, whatever, whatever. And. I think it's it's a way to just go about not even emulating these people of affluence, but I think it's a great way to invest into your community while you're there. That's me. I'm going to get off my soapbox and get into the topic of the day. My 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 my, my hot top picks. All right. Let's get into it. OK. So. Two things, if you couldn't tell by the name of this episode, I'm talking about two things. And I'm going to try my best not to talk about one of these things not so long because I do not want to keep you guys listening to me forever because I know I can go on forever about this. I really can't. I really can't. Let me take a sip. So. So we have first, let me get the positive out the way. Then we can get into the BS because I got a lot to say about the BS, unfortunately. I am so excited. If you follow me on Twitter, you will know that I am calling. I am marking my words. I am predicting that this is comeback season for Ed Murphy. I'm not doing anything special. I'm not the weatherman. I'm not guessing something that we already didn't see coming. But I, I said this so long ago, so long ago when I started to hear any little whispers of him starting to get involved, him starting to pop up in things, him starting to, you know, it possibly being rumors about, you know, reboots and all these different things. I was like, Eddie's going to come back. Eddie's going to come back, y'all. He's going to come get some of this money. He's going to come get some of this money or come, 
just understand and let it be known who he is and what he is and what he brings to the to the fullness of you know this comedy and entertainment scene because he still gets his flowers. He's like he's like Jordan of this shit. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing because I'm such a big fan, and I think he deserves all of what he's about to be getting because this is about to be Eddie Murphy takeover season, and I believe the loss of his brother certainly probably rejuvenated him to like see life as like, you know what? I'm not done. I'm still fairly young. I'm creative enough to come up with new with new roles and new things for me to do. Like comedy isn't isn't a young man's game. You know, it's comedy is it's for whoever wants to do it. And entertainment is certainly not just for the young. I think people try to make it that way. But there are people who are still out here entertaining the shit out of us and they are in their 70s. They're in their 80s. When we see Cicely Tyson on screen, we know that this thing is about to be emotional. We know this thing is going to be the shit. We know it's going to be a lot happening. You feel me? So I'm not upset that that's what it is. So I'm not upset of him taking so much time to come back. And he comes back first with Dolomite is my name, which is a somewhat a, a kind of a biopic to a certain degree, or I guess a, or a story of someone's life within a segment of their life instead of the whole portion of their life, which I like a lot. I like that people do these things because sometimes we don't need like they were born here and they ended up there and then they became who they are. And now they did. We don't always need those types of stories. You know what I'm saying? Everybody don't need an American, you know, American dream, Michael Jackson story. You know what I'm saying? Everyone doesn't need that. Some people need segments. Some people, some people's lives, it's not even like their lives aren't interesting. It's just that the fullness of their lives doesn't tell the best story. Sometimes we could just, you know, minimize it, zone in and you can get the most out of a person by getting zoning in on this very significant moment that occurred in their life. So this was about Rudy Ray Moore, who is a black exploit comedian, uh, entertainer who essentially claimed his, you know, his big, his first claim to fame was essentially him shooting his own movie in this real guerrilla style, very raw, very, you know what I'm saying? Low budget, all of that. And Eddie Murphy plays him. He plays him. And Rudy Ray Moore was popular for creating a character called Dolomite, which you will see so many influences of, you know, within Black Dynamite and so many other things within popular culture where this was the persona that he created. He was this pimp. You know, he was, you know, shit talking and jive talking and all that shit. And it was just a great it was just entertainment. It was dirty as hell. It was explicit as fuck. It was sex. It was an X-rated comedy. It was literally one of the first rated, you know, it was really one of those, you know, first examples of a rated R comedy. And also he influenced a lot of rappers as well, just because he did comedy albums and he incorporated music and he had somewhat of a singing voice. But he had this this kind of tone and this rhythmicness to, you know, kind of create these jokes with these rhymes and these punchlines that essentially just sounded like rap. And um, this was in the 70s. You see what I'm saying? So he was certainly uh, just like pink, you know, um, just like so many others who did those little things where, you know, they really were the influences to kind of influence so many different people because people grew up on this shit. But 
the reason why I'm bringing up Dolomite is my name is not only to shout out Eddie Murphy, one of the greats, but to give you contrast on influence and someone being so into themselves. I'm just I'm just opposing the day. Rudy Ray Moore believed in himself. That was his biggest talent. We as a regular people all out into all out in the world, we don't really believe in ourselves well all the time. Um, because you got to think about it. Yes, we may say that, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. But you have to believe in yourself well enough to sacrifice everything that you have to be able to, you know, strive for some bigger goal to you set a plan out and you say you're going to get it. You say you're going to do it. Well, here we are. There it is. Let's let's create the opportunity and doing whatever I got to do to create the opportunity, taking influences in from wherever I can take them in from. His story is about perseverance personified. And I think he understood and believed in himself and he bet on himself to the highest degree, which is the scariest shit ever, y'all. It's hard. We love stability. We love stability. We love stability. We love to to not have to worry about anything. But yet we still have to do things. We still have responsibility. We still have adulting to do. But he still he he found a way and he knew what he was good at. He knew what he wasn't good at. So which create which is innovative as fuck, which is responsible and aware as hell. Instead of being so into yourself that you believe that you're the only one who can do certain things, he humbled himself to know that for me to get something done for me, for, for me to get something, my vision actually actualized, I have to notice that I am the, the center, I'm the actor, I can be this, and I got to play that role, but I also got to play the role of putting the parts together. I got to find me a writer, I got to find me a director, I got to find me the best people and designate and delegate exactly what they need to do so that I can actually actualize this thing that could possibly help us all. Now everybody got credits. Not everybody can make some money. Not everybody can say that they are a this now because you've just done it. I've just created the opportunity for us all to be now what we say we are, to be whatever, you know, ER thing that we are, um, whatever title, whatever, you know, occupation that we really want to claim within this creative field. The man is just a, it's, the story is just a story of self-determination. And I think that. Eddie Murphy being attached to this is something that's beautiful as fuck because he's that's not even his life. His life was extremely, I wouldn't even say easy, but in terms of his journey into entertainment, he speaks on it as if, you know, it wasn't hard. I didn't have anything in common with this man because as soon as I got, you know, into comedy for a few years, I immediately and, and I got into to a national acclaim, he immediately Got big. He was only on SNL for a few years, y'all. We're talking like three, maybe like two, three and a half years. And then he became, you know, he got, he got, you know, got in 48 hours and it's just history from there. I just feel like, you know, we got to find inspo in the world. And we got to end like Dolomite in this film found inspiration everywhere. He literally got the name and I'm not sure how true that is, but the name and, and some of the, the structure of the jokes and things from homeless men, which, you know, he paid them in the movie. So someone paid them for the jokes. You can, you know, take that however you want to take it. But I feel that it was dope. And I think we got to sometimes you got to be that ground grounded and, and, and humble and, and, and 
not so selfish or so big of yourself that you can't be inspired by the things that, you know, that are strange or that you don't understand or that you usually push away. Find inspiration in everything and allow that to, you know, lift you up and just try. Just jump out on the fucking limb because you never know where it's going to take you. And that's what Dolomite did. And that's what he was all day. That's what he was. But that's the, the, the positive side of this A person who believed in himself. Now, that's the commonality of the two people that I'm talking about. The two individuals. Two instances with two projects that they really put a lot of energy into. So on and so on and so forth. Right. Then we have. Whew, then we have. Kanye West, Kanye West. And if you know, I've talked about Kanye West before earlier this year on my Cancel by the culture. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think it's Cancel by the culture podcast, uh, which you can check that out. Find it everywhere. Podcast podcasts are available. I have to say I listened to the album. I gave it a few um, really just a good once over because I I had to be honest with myself. And say that I'm too biased to come up with the best all around uh, take on this album. So this is not an album review. You clicked on this and I'm sorry, but I'm talking about not only what this album is, what this album is, but also what this album means to me, how I'm taking in the album um, and everything else around it, because I can't separate the two. It's hard for me to separate the two because he hasn't separated the two. He's on a journey right now, and he's putting that journey into his music. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's okay. But I do think that's something that I have to talk about. I got to address because I, I, I've seen it. It's such a polarizing topic to me. And I had so many words and so many feelings about what he's presented us with. But to just be frank um, and I'm gonna try my best to be as fair as I can, but he kind is, I don't know how he had, he quote unquote was saying that he's free in mind now, free in thought. I really don't believe that. I don't. To be free in mind, but also bring in, I guess in my mind, people who are free in mind really don't attach themselves to anything because they see no use of attaching themselves that is um, riddled with bylaws and practices and customs and um, certain ethical certain ethical customs that keep them in a certain box. People who are free of mind want to be able to have their conscience free enough so that they can make certain decisions and not feel guilt, not to feel that natural, you know, visceral guilt that you have just being as being human just from action and reaction. Kanye, I don't believe it's free of mind. I think him very similar to Rudy Ray Moore was a person who was extremely into themselves, very much, you know, self-absorbed, very self-centered, all those different things, which those things can certainly garner you some sense of success because you have to be focused. You have to, you know, stay on task and be determined to have some self-determination, some self-intrinsic values to really push you on to do whatever the hell you want to do, right? But to me, I believe that 
his spiritual journey that he's publicly giving us by doing the Sunday services, traveling, you know, from city to city, putting on concerts to a certain degree or what have you, um, but also introducing, you know, now introducing, you know, pastors into the mix and actually having people give a word and they have, they're trying to give a message. And he's talking about how he's, you know, associating themselves with different people, different pastors and different, different creators and all these different things. I'm not questioning this man's spiritual journey. If getting closer within your within your religion is something that's bringing you peace of mind, I am all for it. I am so for that. I'm questioning this this whole this whole this whole connotation that he's trying to place on us or somewhat force on us that he's a free thinker because that's his like kind of you know rebuttal to everything or that's his his where well, he keeps proclaiming that everybody is mad at him for thinking the way he's thinking because everybody expects him to think a certain way. This man has always been a contrarian. And I think he came to realize that people wants him, want him because of who he is, because of what his identity is, to think or have default, um, default judgments on certain things about life. In terms of politics, in terms of just ideals, all these different things. And it's like he's questioning so many things within his life, which I which to me, I see as him really trying to find and search his soul and 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 try to get better. I think this is him trying to self-help in some way, shape or form. I believe that's what this effort is. But I believe free thinkers shouldn't have too many footnotes. And their opinions just shouldn't. I don't know. It shouldn't be this this skill of choosing unpopular opinions and pseudo um, contrarianisms and all these different things where it's like you're kind of you're, you're, you're kind of challenging a thing, but you're challenging the thing really because everybody else is telling you you should go with it because it suits your best interest. They're trying to choose what your interest is. Um, in terms of Kanye, at least, or this weird veiled individualism where you believe that you're the only person in the world thinking the way that you're thinking and everybody should join you in thinking to what you're thinking, I guess. But I think he needs to me, I just think he needs real, actual help. And I know we should not be sitting here self diagnose like trying to diagnose the man. None of us are psychologists. I know, I know, I know. But I think we would be developing some sense of dissonance if we sit here and say that we don't see something's going on. If we don't see, if we don't really, because if it was any other regular person, we would be worried. We would be saying we want better for him. We want to make sure like, okay, we get all of that. We understand all that, but are you okay? Are you good for real? And I feel like everybody's trying to coddle his messaging or coddle his past self and justify why he needs to kind of Given, be given the room to do whatever he wants to do because of that. And I'm just not for that part of it. I'm more so for the man getting help more than anything. Fuck the music. Fuck all that. He can he, he can experiment with every every genre if he wants to. Are you well, though? Are you good, though? Because I don't know if that's the part that people are talking about enough of. People are just, you know, critiquing the music and critiquing his politics. But, dude, why are you good? 
Have you really gotten all the help you really needed? Last album, you talking about how bipolar, being bipolar is a, you know, is a superpower. And it's like you're trying to, you know, change a narrative of, you know, mental, your mental health or mental illnesses. And that's, you know, somewhat okay, but that's only okay if you're doing the work, though. Ensures that you're doing the work. You're, you're allowing us to get so much of your life and you're being this open book. I don't know if this open book that you're being is uh, truly just a, you know, a, a symptom of the thing or you just that's just naturally how you are, which I believe that's naturally how he is. But let us in on that. Let us in on what help you need, because that would help so many more people. Kanye. I think, you know, we already have Jesus. Jesus has always been available. The book is the the they, I don't even think they rank the book as a in sales anymore. And it is in terms of the Bible as any in book sales anymore, because it's probably the best selling book ever. <laughs> it's always being bought forever. And there's really not an author you can attribute that to, which is interesting. But I digress. I just believe he needs something to really enrich himself and really build him up and get his mind right, because I don't know how right his mind is right now. That's just how I feel. And um, in terms of all the people who are praising him for his interviews lately and his just opinions um, throughout the past few years, I just I just hold on, let me take another sip. Mm. I just believe that a broken clock is right twice a day. It's, he's, he sounds conflicted to me. He sounds very contradictory to me. He's always been that way, though which is interesting because I think we're noticing it when it comes to something that we believe is just so, you know, so two-sided, so all the way. You know, I think he's always has said things that we were like, yeah, Kanye, you right. Yeah, Kanye, you right. But we also been like, hold on, Kanye, hold on. I think he's always moved in this very, he's such what people would think. I think when people think Gemini's, I think they think about Kanye (laughs) and being a Gemini, and I don't believe I'm the best uh, example of one because people don't usually read that of me. I think he's definitely that. He's multi-talented. He's disinterested. To he, he becomes, you know, disinterested in things very fast and wants to get new things and to do new things and take on new crafts and, you know, keep himself, you know, busy with a lot of things. Probably gets bored easily when being just doing the same thing. He probably wants to have a, a plethora of slashes in his title. And things that he's doing, things that he's able to do and to be validated in all those things. But I believe he's a person truly searching for validation. That's really what I believe. I think more than anything, he wants validation. Every single thing that he's done when he wanted to be a producer, he wanted to be the best producer. He wanted people to fuck with his beats. So he wanted them to be the shit when he knew that he wanted to rap as well. And he was pursuing that and people were kind of, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever he tried his best to make sure and push through to that and get the validation he needed. He needed that in the highest of ways. I need that to, I need Jay to fuck with it. I need Jay to like it. I need Jay to love my shit. You know what I'm saying? So I think that Kanye really is in a point now where he needs validation to a very high, 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 high degree. And I think it's not healthy because you're going to forever be searching for that. You have to, he has to figure out a way to not, have that as something that he values so highly. When it came to fashion, he wanted to get into fashion. He, he showed, even in interviews, he he sit here, he's saying he's happy for his brother Virgil, but he, it sounds still sounds like he's still troubled with that fact that his brother got this opportunity he feels like he should have got years ago. 
just and now that you know even in his album he kept speaking about how christians aren't really they were the first ones to judge him and then he essentially being contradictory again being hypocritical to a certain degree judging everyone else around him telling everyone else around them that there is something wrong with them because they are not being as quote unquote Christian or Christ-like or walking in their faith to the highest degree um, in terms of the customs and, you know, and traditions of Christianity being that, you know, literally coming at his wife directly about how she dresses, coming at the people on his team, telling them they don't need to have sex while they're working on the album because they need to fast, need to do this, literally pushing his religion on other people. And this is what he feels like he needs to do. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's where his mind should be. He's taking on something that's filling him up. It's giving him a lot of answers. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with faith. I think there's nothing wrong with spirituality. But I do think this is a person who clings on to things that he feels like he's getting, you know, he has a, a grasp on and show, has shown some um, some sense of or affinity or some, some sense of, I got this and I understand this and I can do this. And, oh, you know what? You give me a, a, a little step into it. I'm going to blow this thing on up. I think that's how Kanye feels about a lot of things. And that's just he continuously looks for new challenges, continuously looks for new challenges. And within those challenges, he wants to be validated within each one. And that's I think that's the the very scary part about all of it. And I think that's what leads and probably is feeding his anxiety, feeding his depression. Because he continues to want those validations. He can sit here and say he don't give a fuck. He can sit here and say he don't care. But he does. And there's and I think it's very peculiar that, you know, you just had uh you just had collaborations with Kirk Franklin and you had just had collaborations with Kirk Franklin and Chance the Rapper and you know and Kelly Price. And they're not on this album. You do have features from Fred and, you know, Fred Hammond. And you actually, you know, you have a choir that he's been, you know, touring with the Sunday service choir. So he definitely has people who have the gospel elements. To me, I think this album is less gospel and more Christian rap. But that's my opinion. Maybe other people feel another way. But there was no there weren't too many deep messages within this. It was very surface level. It was, you know, I'm, I believe in God. God is the best. God is this, you know. This is what we should do. This is what happened to me. But God is good either way. This is kind of how I feel about my family. But God is good anyway. Close on Sundays, Chick-fil-A. But I'm minimizing it. And like I said, I'm going to try my best not to be biased. That's how y'all y'all can judge it and, and jam it if you feel like it. But I think the people who are, think he's at a place and a level of influence where he needs to become even more aware and more responsible for his words, for what he is saying, for what he is putting out, because he's, putting so, so many things all together into one pot that do not go together. And, and, and lastly, it's just that, you know, Kanye is a person who is driven by actualizing his visions. But I mean, but not only that, but he, he wants people to truly, 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 truly love what he does. I gotta say that again. He really wants that. And I really feel like that's what drives him so much. And he can sit here and say he doesn't care, but he cares. I don't think he would write about it. I don't think he would talk about it. I don't think he would phrase things in the way he phrases things if he did not care about those things. But that's just me. But let me go ahead and send it on. Let me send it on. All right. Let me play my music. Cue 
the D'Angelo. So I went on way longer than I wanted to, but I got to wrap this up. And all I got to say is we need to get to a point in society where we really start to recognize our healthy influences and our, and the influences that are really not that good for us. <laughs> um, Dolomite is inspiring. Kanye is undoubtedly inspiring in ways. But we need to consume his content responsibly. We need to understand. We need to be able to separate. We need to be able to compartmentalize. We need to be able to also challenge and critique fairly. We can't sit here and say just because we like the music that we accept all the things. We can't sit here and say because he is quote unquote, you know, seen as a musical genius to a, a lot of people that that means his opinions about everything else are somewhat at a genius level. That is not what it is. Just because you're famous does not mean you're smart. Just because it does not mean you have the good take on all things of life. I don't think we should put that much onto people. I don't think we should pedestal people in that way. I don't think we should pedestal people, period. Just because of the pressure that they're going to accept from it and the pressure that we're going to put onto them to be people. Because that's the, what all their responsibility is at the end of the day, just to be human and die. And I think Kanye is going through a lot and I feel like he needs to just get the help he needs. That's how I feel. That's King, though. But I digress. That's the episode. Um, yes, that's the episode. If you don't know, now you know. You can listen to the Soul Fleet Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. Everywhere podcasts are available. Talking about Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, Radio Public App. Uh, the list goes on. Listen everywhere. And um, subscribe. Make sure you leave a review. Make sure you tell your mama to subscribe. Just go ahead and go on your mama's phone and subscribe on her iPhone. Subscribe on whatever she listens to just so she can just have it. And if she wanted to check it out one day, she could check it out. More great episodes, great guests coming in um, for the next coming weeks. I do, I do plan to go on hiatus before the end of the year. But I am pumping out episodes until that time. And I will let you know when that will be. But I'm going to be gone for like a month. But I'm going to repost things i'm gonna let y'all know that you know go go back and listen to stuff stuff happens all the time i got you know a hell of a catalog at this point so i can always refresh y'all on hey hey go check this out go listen to this this has been on the news here what my take is and also i'm thinking about about doing a lot of blogging a lot of blogging and vlogging um during my hiatus just so you guys can get even more into me and see my face more as well so more about that later all right love y'all like again i'll say this is the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for Humans Simply Being Humans. I'm Rodney Perry, and this is Simply King. Peace. You feel some type of way, then. Ever since a young man. All I wanna be was a gunman Shooting up the charge, better run, man Y'all gotta see that I one man Slick is out of bars with the finger waves Work it, JG Handle bars like a fade